Hello. Uh, welcome to the Geek Talk Central podcast. This is our first podcast where we love talking about technology and everything that is geeky. So this is your host, Trevor Mugwai David, and... And Joe in the background doing his thing like he always does it. You know. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be doing a variety of topics based mostly on technology because as fans of technology, we just love talking about it and getting to share it with uh, different people. Exactly. So, yeah. Our first topic will be smart TVs this week and smart TV boxes. Yeah. Do you have a TV that is smart? Well, depends on your definition of smart. Well, it can count numbers for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that jokes Mondays, I tell you. So, <laughs> so if you ask yourself, okay, we have smart TVs, are there such a thing as dumb TVs? Well, technically, no. But a dumb TV is only capable of displaying content that is bought into it from an analog source. And for those who are born after 2005, I'm sorry, because you're living totally in the digital age, but you have uh, antennas and RCA inputs and composite inputs. Those are those weird red, white, and yellow plugs that used to plug into TVs. Banana. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Into our DVD players and VCRs. And uh, yeah, VCRs was a bit before my time, but definitely Joe here is all too familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up on that stuff. Uh, but anyway, in short, should we say that anything that does not connect to the internet is a dumb TV? Oh, yes, definitely. So provided your TV, even if you have a 40-inch LED TV and it does not connect to the internet, then it is a dumb TV. Exactly. So what is a smart TV? Now that is a good question. So as the name implies, a smart television is a television well, the, that's a portal through which you can view online content through a ecosystem of certain apps. So you have things like Netflix, you have Hulu, HBO, YouTube, Netflix. And since we live in the age of Corona, we have been doing a lot of browsing between these apps. Netflix! And chill. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, this is on top of a traditional, you know, TV media that's like satellite uh, set-up boxes. At least here in in Uganda, we have something called DSTV. Or if you're not in Uganda, let's say uh, uh, you're in, you know, anywhere else in the world, Maybe that's cable for you. And uh, yeah, smart TVs can technically be input through a variety of devices like DVD players and flash drives. And uh, some do have SD card input. That's for, you know, playing off media from physical storage. So you have a variety of options when it comes to smart TVs. They don't necessarily get rid of the traditional analog inputs of the dumb TVs, but they do keep that functionality for versatility and stuff. Mm. And and this whole smart TV thing is not something that started like yesterday. It's something that started way back in the 90s, actually. Back then, we had the analog TVs, but uh, smarter people thought it would be great 
for you to be able to interact with the content that you watch other than just being passive sitting behind that screen and uh, you have like your channel or cable TV sending you the content. Uh, people felt since computers had come through and computers had gotten to a point where they could play videos, play music, people thought it would be wise to integrate that kind of uh, functionality in a TV so that you can watch content on demand other than just sitting and waiting on a program uh, as, as listed by your TV channel. And uh, as early as 1995, uh, people are say putting together um, TV set-top boxes that could actually make your TV smarter. Well, things were a bit rigid back then. And uh, interesting enough, did you know that even Cisco was part of this at some point? I mean, rather not Cisco, but Oracle. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. The server company being interested in TVs. They they had a they had a media server that would allow you hook through the internet to their server and uh, stream content on your TV. But that was in '95. Oh, that was neat. When Post Malone was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like DPM before Post Malone was born. You know, <laughs> and uh, they actually had an operating system that was uh, built to cater for such interactivity. It was known as DAVID, standing for Digital Audio Video Interactive Decoder. And it was this OS that was supposed to uh, present uh, people with interactivity for them to be able to select the content they want to play and when they want to play it. Oh, that's interesting. So for those who think uh, smart TV is a thing of like just yesterday, no, this thing has been brewing for quite a while. Definitely. It's been uh, a concept that's been developed over three decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, the smart TV really could be traced back to the 1990s, you know, with the rise of the internet and uh, the exponential increase with online content. Uh, there was this gentleman who was a former Apple employee called Steve Palmer, who... Uh, set up a company called Web TV, and basically the premise of Web TV was to develop a television optimized version of the internet. So the goal of this product was to bring the online experience to the living room, and that meant uh, if you want to check your email or you wanted to look up information on a show like the different uh, cast members or the plots of particular. Uh, episodes of shows. I am in its infancy. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned about checking your emails on TV. Just imagine how excruciating that is in terms of you trying to to read your email and everyone is looking at it. <laughs> everyone is look, reading your emails. You know, it it seems like your spam idea, mail. It, exactly from, <laughs> from like ten feet away. That really makes. Or from Pornhub. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this just took a turn. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it sounds like a good idea in theory. Like, huh, what if I could actually read my emails in the living room on a widescreen? You're like, this is genius. I should do it. Then you do it and you're like, nah, you know what? This wasn't such a good idea. Yeah. It was basically web TV. And in the 90s, this is the age of dial-up. Dial-up was pretty mainstream. You know, loading even text-based websites on in an optimal setting was painfully, painfully slow. And during the web TV um, 
online, okay, not the online, the unveiling on stage, Steve Bowman had to stall for around full minute because the web page hadn't loaded. Jeez. Exactly. They were doing a demo of how you can actually get information on a particular episode of a show. So in this case, it was Friends. And as he was talking about it, mm-hmm. he clicked the link and literally he had to sit in silence for around 20 seconds I think, as the thing did absolutely nothing. I think it was going for like that wow moment and it just didn't happen. It's like waiting for that ta-da and it just doesn't happen when you want it to and you end up looking like, okay, fine, you guys are unveiling some really immature tech. Exactly. And it was so cringeworthy. Well, you could blame the internet, I guess. It was so cringeworthy. If you could get the video on YouTube, watch it and get ready to cringe so hard. <laughs> so <laughs> Swallow me! Exactly. So, at the time, Web TV was relatively in its infancy and you know, it was a new product and people thought that, oh, maybe uh, this man from Apple has unveiled, you know, the next big thing. And uh, actually, at the time, usability expert uh, Jacob Nielsen in 1977 said of the Web TV, quote, Web TV achieves a high level of usability given its design constraints. Unfortunately, the constraints are so severe that even this design ultimately fails to provide an optimal web experience. So it was bad even for its time. But it was a glimmer of a brilliant idea, but really poor execution. Hmm. So unlike the websites and online resources today, where UI elements are kind of like intelligently scaled to whatever device that they're being viewed on, web TV's online content had to be specifically designed in order to be displayed on web TV. Suffice it to say, there wasn't a lot of developer enthusiasm to retool your website to have compatibility with a device that's only bought by a certain handful of thousand people. So this was a major issue that was compounded by the fact that the number of websites on the internet was exponentially increasing, and it's virtually impossible for all of them to be retooled to just work on one device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a little under a year after its launch, Web TV was actually bought out by Microsoft for $425 million and was actually later rebranded as MSN TV in 2001. Mm, Microsoft taking over, and at that point, they were the evil of everything. You the tech my... space at that time, they were exactly. like, they were like the, the Dark Vader. Uh, oh, wow. So, actually, Web TV... Actually, you know, Microsoft has a very bad track record of buying up brands and they happen to just die under their care. It happened with Nokia. It happened with... Uh, I don't know if you know this uh, handheld... PDA. Was it the Palm OS? No, Palm OS was uh, bought off by HP, right? It was bought off by HP. I think it was called the Kim something. Well, we'll just look that up. <laughs> we'll look that up. Oh, you, the viewers, can look that up. You can drop it in the comment. <laughs> you can drop it in the comment. If you do remember it. So, but, 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 but that also, the one thing about Microsoft is that at some point, They've always been like ahead of the curve, 
but at times they introduce their technologies at the point when the concept is so new and they pull out real fast and at some point other, other players come in and take over. I mean, they had the first touch device, among the first touch devices and, uh, well, they didn't push it any further and before you know it, Apple, I mean, Apple didn't invent the iPod or a tablet, if I would say. They no. just they just made it better and 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 because Apple is Apple, they're able to achieve the success that other companies couldn't in the process. That's very true. Apple is literally the master of second move advantage. They get already existing technology and refine it so much. It's such a revolutionary kind of thing. Like if. Apple would make an iPhone with an in-display fingerprint scanner. Everyone would be like, oh, Apple just they invented did. the in-display fingerprint they scanner. Did. Literally they did. every other manufacturer has an in-display fingerprint scanner, but Apple would do it with such ease and finesse and usability that everyone would just be so, you know, gobsmacked about it and just throw tons of money at the company and, you know. Mm-hmm. So actually, fun fact... Web TV's encryption was so tough that the U.S. government considered it to be classified as munitions. Jeez. Thereby preventing the device from being released in Europe and other countries. The Russians must have been like, send this spy over. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Joe's Russian accent, very authentic. Ah, <laughs> terrible, terrible. So the laws were eventually changed because apparently anyone would figure out that, hey, weapons, TVs are not necessarily weapons for obvious reasons. Well, you could make it explode, just insert explosives inside, and when you watch the next episode of Game of Thrones... Well, there's that too. (laughs) You get Game of Thrones. Imagine you rage out at the TV, you're like, no, cancel season eight. This is... Kaboom. Boom, and everything. <laughs> so, actually, Microsoft tried to revive and transform this brand for actually all of the early 2000s, but it had its quirks and features, so to say, and they were losing money continuously. And by the mid 2000s, they actually <laughs> thought they would revamp. Uh, by releasing MSN TV 2. So this was basically like a console kind of thing that you could connect to the internet and basically use it as a browsing device. Interestingly enough, it was released alongside the Xbox 360 and it was compatible with Internet Explorer. So yeah, it's not looking really good for MSN TV 2. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and eventually um, Microsoft killed off uh, web TV and MSN TV because they realized that no one was buying into this. Uh-huh. And uh, it was actually interesting that the web TV team was absorbed into Microsoft and their influence was actually uh, essential in developing the UI for the Xbox 360. Hmm. It's uh, subsequent online features, you know. At least they didn't go to waste. Yeah, at least that didn't go to waste. Yeah. So um, today, nearly all TV manufacturers, that's the Sonys of the world, you know, Samsung, LG, TCL, and Hisense, are incorporating smart features into their televisions. And broadly speaking, uh, 
these televisions, smart TVs, conform to a particular set of criteria. And uh, that's resolution, the display technology, and the software platform. So when you talk about resolution, that's basically how many pixels uh, lengthwise and widthwise your display has. Now, typical smart TV resolutions include 1920 by 1080. We have 4K, that is 3840 by 2160, and soon to be 8K, which is 7680 by 4320. And if you have no idea what I'm saying, resolution basically refers to how clear and crisp, crisp and pixel dense your display happens to be. That is your lengthwise number of pixels multiplied by the widthwise number of pixels. Do you, do you think it's necessary for 8K uh, to be on a TV that is 40 inch? On a 40 inch TV, that is highly unnecessary. So uh, people shouldn't go out there trying to buy devices, for instance, if their TV supports, uh, okay, let's say if their TV is 4K, they shouldn't really go out looking for movies that are in 8K. No, absolutely not. Because right now, I don't think there is any 8K mainstream content available. Yes, there is some on YouTube, but those are mostly like, you know, glamour shots of like New York City. And it's it's really data intensive, by the way. So if you're getting something like an 8K uh, YouTube video. Mm -hmm. They actually recommend that you have a minimum speed of 25 megabit per second. And for the majority of the world, like that is simply network bandwidth that they don't have. Mm -hmm. Now, like here in UG, uh, Uganda, we have speeds ranging from the absolute worst, like in kilobits per second to like 21, 23 megabit per second so doing 8k is completely it's unnecessary unnecessary it's and it's very um you know power hungry because actually when you think about it mm -hmm. uh when you're playing a video mm -hmm. you're taking resources for your gpu to actually render that video and you know put it on your screen mm -hmm. So if you've ever had the experience of playing a 4K video on a laptop, mm. you realize that, one, your knees are burning because it's struggling to cool cool off the process because mm. it's doing a lot of computation because it's very uh, hard on your GPU or integrated GPU. So now to do this with an 8K TV, you need at least uh, 2018... Uh, graphics hardware, like maybe a dedicated video card from NVIDIA or AMD, like uh -huh. a, uh -huh. you know, like a GTX 1060 to actually realistically play it back without stuttering. And um, when you think about it, I don't think 8K will be in the mainstream for another, let's say, 10 years. This is completely out of the hard prediction, but I could be wrong. Because everyone said the same about 4K. Like, really, who needs 4K? And like, now everyone is like using that as a selling it's point. It's like the gold standard. You can't buy a you can't buy a smart TV these days without it without being 4K. 4K. You you'd actually feel ripped off. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. So making predictions about tech is just one surefire way of proving yourself absolutely wrong. So, 
So should we assume that uh, when it comes to uh, features of uh, smart TVs, uh, the only thing now they have to play around with is resolution and uh, display technology? In a big part, yes, because most of the smart TVs that are being released are focusing on features like HDR mm-hmm. and the different implementations of it. LG is using its own... Well, someone may be out there wondering what HDR stands for. HDR for uh, our dear viewers is high dynamic range. So basically, this gets a. This is basically a reimagining of the contrast to a video, and this is a very big, you know, simplification. But high dynamic range content means that the bright spots of your video are really bright, and the dark spots are really really dark so you really have this deep contrast that makes things crystal clear crystal clear and you have a lot of uh, vibrancy in an image Uh like you're if you're going to have a scene with like the sun in it the sun is really really bright and if you're going to have like dark clothing the clothing is really really dark and the shadows are really and the shadows are Dark. You know, really shadowy, <laughs> or sharp, but, yeah. but really, you keep the the texture and how much more shadower can it be? <laughs> shadower than a shadow, or like the shadow of the Tomb Raider. Mm. <laughs> have you played that game? Actually, no, because I don't have uh, anything that's powerful enough to run it. <laughs> I recently downloaded it uh, on SteamOS. Oh, really? Yeah, I just started uh, playing it a couple of hours ago oh, i just cool. uh, played like about 30 minutes of the game and interestingly enough that's another game that supports hdr so if you do have an mm. hdr smart tv you know if you uh, hook that onto your console you have that um, improved image quality and you know vibrancy in all the scenes and especially the cutscenes because it's really mastered extremely well it's hard intensive, well, but it's a means very just, beautiful game. That means I'll just have to throw out my TV for an HDR one. Well, in the budget. Definitely. <laughs> so for the average consumer, they are probably going to be fine with a 55-inch 4K TV. And considering the viewing distance, if you have a 55-inch TV that's 4K resolution, uh-huh. you won't be able to discern individual pixels from one foot away so definitely you're not going to be right up intimate with your 4k tv because <laughs> that's highly impractical and probably bad for your eyes or something like mm-hmm. that. so you're probably going to be viewing at greater than six feet so that's not going to be a problem it's going to be plenty sharp and for the average consumer you don't need to think of anything that's greater than 4k actually 1080p what is actually called full hd is actually also fine for most people it's plenty sharp at a reasonable viewing distance and by reasonable i mean something in between six and ten feet Mm. away from the tv and when it comes to sizes um, the sweet spot for 1080p is usually 55 inches that's from personal experience yeah and for 4k 65 inches is is really where it's at And for 8K TVs, they usually start from 75 inches and up. I haven't seen any 8K TV that's 
less than 65 inches. So it is very unnecessary to have a 4K TV on a 32 inch. It's very unnecessary. And I feel when I see 4K displays on 13 and, you know, laptop displays, I mean, it's it's cool. It's a cool party trick, but are you really going to take advantage of all that unless you're like a content creator? Well, I, th- I think, I, I, yeah, for a laptop, if you're a content creator, th- that is that is important. But for a TV, I don't think that is necessary at all. TV, that's not necessary. And I don't think manufacturers have released 4K TVs that are less than 45 inches. I don't think it's it's worth their time. Next up, we'll be talking display technology. And uh, this actually refers to the particular technology employed in your TV's display panel, so what you actually get to see. And most TVs in the present day, one form or another, are flat screens because we have done away with hunchback TVs. Those things are huge, huge. Have you ever seen a a 32-inch display, a CRT display? Oh yeah, it's, I think it's quite humongous. It's massive and it's supremely heavy. I think it's like around 80 kilograms. <laughs> That's supremely, supremely heavy. Well, back then that is what we all fancied. Well, yeah, you you had that one kid in the class. Who like, oh yeah, I have a 32 inch delay. Like, oh no way, that's so sick. <laughs> yeah, and back, back then they used to use uh, projection technology. They didn't have LCD. Okay, it was CRT. And for the much bigger TVs, they used projectors inbuilt. The oh, screen. Yeah. It was just Actually, sick. I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. It's weird. I think we'll want them to do an episode on, on, on uh, old TVs. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We have to note that down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back to the display. Now, when we're talking about smart TVs, uh we have mainly uh, three technologies that they actually use to manufacture their panels. And those are liquid crystal displays. Those are LCDs. We have LED displays and you have OLEDs. OLEDs are by far the, the latest technology that's available. And it's actually really, really thin. Makers like Samsung and LG have uh, wallpaper TVs that you can actually mount uh, of course, to your wall, but mm-hmm. they're so incredibly thin, it's actually, it blends so well into the wall, there's no discernible gap between uh, the display ends and where the wall begins. It almost looks like like a mat stuck on the wall, right? Basically. Interesting. Actually looks like more like a window. So the LG signature line of uh, wallpaper TVs is absolutely fantastic. Uh, MKBHD has a really good video about uh, the LG signature. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you can go check out that video. If you want, you can just YouTube it. And next thing that we found really important about smart TVs is actually the software platforms. The operating system. Exactly. So this is what you actually get to interact on a day-to-day basis. And most TV Manufacturers prefer to implement their own in-house solution for their TVs. And the most common smart TV platforms include LG WebOS. That's obviously used by LG. You have Samsung Tizen. You have Firefox OS, though it's not so common, but, you know, it's there. Uh And then you have Android OS, so Android TV. 
do you know what which operating system is most popular on all these TVs, the smart TVs that are released? I would think it's Android. I think it's Android TV. Wrong. Tizen. Oh, you don't see so The market share, it has close to 50%. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because Samsung really sells like a boatload of TVs. Mm-hmm. Then followed by uh, LG's WebOS. Oh. You'd actually think Android would be up there, but nope. That's interesting. You think about it. Most of the flat uh, smart TVs are either LG or Samsung. The other players are coming in, but they're not as popular. The likes of Samsung, I mean, the, rather the, li- the likes of Sony and uh, Sharp and Hisense. That makes sense because very few of these manufacturers actually implement Android TV in its stock form. Mm-hmm. I think the only manufacturer that does it is Sony. Mm, really? Yeah, Sony actually just has Android TV bone stock running mm-hmm. on its TV. Yeah. It doesn't have like a very heavy skin like LG WebOS or anything. It's it's very bone stock. Yeah. Also, Roku has some TVs. It has smart TVs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, its software is incorporated in uh, TCL TVs. They mm. usually come with Roku built in. Mm. Some TCL TVs, yeah. All right. So, at the end of the day, uh, for the consumer, you'd have to be very particular on what you want. Some people will just buy, stick to the brand and care less about the operating system. And I think that is one... That that is one important thing that people need to like give more attention to because at the end of the day, uh, the the operating system you get to work with will also dictate uh, the ecosystem of uh, available apps. Oh yeah, that's true. So uh, chances are that uh, if you're into installing semi, uh, if you if you like exploring apps, then the best uh, operating system to go with would be Android OS. Android TV, rather. Yes, yes, exactly. Because when you look at Tizen, yes, it has uh, apps, but I think they only focus on uh, the key apps like YouTube, Hulu, um, the likes of uh, Amazon Prime. And if you want something that is a bit uh, dedicated to, to a different task, you may not get it from a Tizen or um, a WebOS-based uh, TV. That makes sense. And the sheer collection of apps with Android TV is literally so monolithic compared to the rest, I think, because the developer interest is not so so great for Samsung or LG. Mm-hmm. And also, if you want like more customization, you'd find skins that have been developed by other people on Android TV. So you can actually customize your TV experience much far, uh, further as compared to Tizen-based or web uh, OS-based TVs. All right. So with that, I think we can segue neatly into talking about TV boxes. Well, I, I mean, some people may prefer having their TV, smart TVs, but of course, uh, if you feel buying a new TV simply because you want it smart and a new operating system, I think, in my opinion, I feel that is overkill. Uh, however, there are alternatives for people who, well, on budget. If, if you have... Uh, a dumb TV doesn't mean that you should throw it away exactly. if you want to enjoy the same experiences as a person who has a smart TV. Yes, exactly. And it's much cheaper than investing in a uh, another smart TV because that's several hundreds of dollars. Exactly. Typically above uh, $400 if you're going to get a decent 4K TV mm-hmm. like an LG or a Samsung. But if you're going to you know, get a very 
even a very premium streaming uh, box like the Chromecast Ultra. Mm-hmm. It's less than $200, I think, mm-hmm. at the time of recording. And that's like a very premium option. Well, <laughs> that's outside of like maybe Apple and the uh, Apple TV 4K. Well, so what is a TV box in this sense? Well, it, it, I, would, I would describe it as a set-top box that allows you to experience uh, the same things a person with a smart TV does. So it's this set-top box that uh, is hooked up probably through HDMI to your dumb TV. And uh, with that, you'll have an operating system on this box that allows you to download apps and be able to connect to the internet. And you can have all this uh, content that you can consume on demand. And uh, out there, there are several players uh, who provide, uh, who, who have created um, uh, devices uh, at different price ranges. So it's affordable for anyone, right from about $35, you can actually get uh, a smart TV experience with, uh, uh, say, uh, Google uh, the Google Chromecast. Uh, it's, it's about $35. And uh, if you want the high-end spec of uh, the Chromecast, uh, Chromecast, which is a Chromecast Ultra, it goes for about uh, $69. So you should be able to experience uh, everything that comes with the uh, Google ecosystem. So uh, you don't have a smart TV, but that doesn't mean that you miss out on the experience. You can have yourself um, a TV box. And the TV boxes, currently most of them run uh, Android, Android uh, TV. Then there are the cheap versions that are out there also. They actually run the Android that is on a mobile phone, but they apply skins to give you that feel. But you're not going to get all the features you'd get from uh, Android TV. They're out there. Because they're running on cheaper hardware and you really don't have a good software experience with those. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but for Apple fanboys, they also catered for. I mean, you'd find uh, the Apple TV box. Uh, the current one that is out there is uh, comes with the 4K capability with HDR. So you can still get uh, the quality picture, uh, whether you have the smart TV or you do not have it. Then for guys who really like, who are so into gaming, well, there's also an option, the NVIDIA Shield. Uh, also comes with the 4K HDR streaming media player and also comes along with uh, a, a, a Bluetooth gaming pad well that would like set you back uh, about 280 dollars but well it's worth it because you also have access to their game streaming service and also you get uh, google assistant and alexa but i think it's pretty fair because when you consider the nvidia shield it's more more like you're getting a console a fully fledged gaming console as opposed to just a you know a box where you can watch netflix from your tv and actually, and it has the hardware for it. Exactly. And when you think about it, it is way much cheaper than a smart TV. Exactly. So why don't you buy? Why wouldn't you get yourself a dumb TV and an and an, uh, Nvidia Shield? Yeah. Yourself. I, I think I, I think I'll do that. Just get this massive sixty-inch screen and my Nvidia Shield, and and I can boss around. I know, right? You do you. <laughs> yes, but also uh, if. Uh, uh, from China, there are quite some good pieces of hardware, like the Mi S uh, Android box. From Xiaomi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it comes with, um, supports 4K, 
and also comes along with uh, Google Assistant and can also allow you to uh, screencast. Oh, that's convenient, mm-hmm. especially if you have an Android phone, you know, you just uh, get some content you want to display from your phone, you know, it's quite seamless. Mm-hmm. It will only set you back about $53. I mean, for for that experience, I think that is pretty good enough. And even Amazon itself has uh, pieces of hardware, the Fire TV Stick, uh, comes with Alexa, and uh, you can get a version that also comes in with 4K Ultra HD. And also it comes with um, premium membership for um, Amazon Prime. Wow, they really want to lock you into that Amazon Exactly. Ecosystem. And guess for how much it goes for? I'd say $70. 50 Wow. Yeah, so I, I mean, you're having a bargain with all this. So it's it's up to you to assess. Would you want to actually have a smart TV or would you want to go in for uh, a TV box? Actually, that's a really good question. Um, well, there. If if you're actually thinking of getting a TV box or a smart TV, if I would say, I would say go for the TV box because uh, you you're going to experience uh, a higher advantage on several grounds. You're going to have uh, uh, better things coming in for you. For instance, uh, how often does your smart TV get updated, or like firmware updates? How often does it get that? Rarely, if ever. <laughs> that's the problem so yeah you're going to have your updates coming through your tv box just like it would happen on your phone so you're going to have all these firmware updates and secondly even the apps themselves are going to be frequently updated because most of them are like running either on like uh, an android based platform or an apple based platform so you're going to have app developers frequently update these apps so you'll have a better YouTube uh, app with uh, the latest uh, levels of security and so on and so forth. And also, security-wise, smart TVs currently do have like uh, cameras for gesture control and uh, your microphone for like voice control. And uh, well, some hacker somehow made jump into your uh, poor networks uh, settings and, and, and take advantage of that. Well, that's going to be very unfortunate if you're discussing sensitive matters and you realize that, oh, oh no, like my information is up. Imagine, imagine you're watching a movie, then out through your speakers, you just hear some guy out there in the background, I am watching, I know what you did last summer. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that can be really scary. And there was a point, I think it was last year or if it was 2018, mm-hmm. but there was this uh, situation where people who bought the Amazon Echo and the Echo Dot would find that Alexa would just randomly start laughing. Like you would be doing your regular house things uh-huh. and from your smart speaker you just hear, ah, <laughs> You're like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, it was a whole big thing. And like this thing is possessed. It's so creepy. <laughs> yeah, you'll also actually get uh, more apps for you when you use uh, a TV box. Since you're hooking into the Android ecosystem, then you're going to have very many apps available for you. So the more the merrier, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Then when it also comes to like controlling your device, yes, uh, smart TVs have gotten to the point where they use even uh, air mouse. Would I call it an air mice for many? Air mouse. An air mouse <laughs> or air mouses. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever works. Uh, and uh, it's clunky. Oh, yeah, it really is. Yeah, so if... if the only manufacturer that does that well is LG. 
you know, with the gesture control with the remote. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty, uh, pretty seamless and accurate. But for the other manufacturers, it's very clunky it's, and it's not worth using. Uh-huh. So with your TV box, you can download several apps that allow you to interact with your TV box using your smartphone. So you don't have to rely on your TV remote or your TV box remote. And also, uh, TV boxes tend to have like beefier specs in terms of performance. So you could actually get yourself the eBox T8. It, it quite has... Uh, it has beefy specs. You can enjoy more than 128 gigs of space, of storage space. Well, you can't, you can't really get that through a smart TV. Would you switch to a TV box? Well, I would think about it if I, one, already own a dumb TV, mm-hmm. or I own a older smart, smart TV, TV, yeah, whereby they have stopped support, and it still has you know, some good life left in it. Mm-hmm. It's still a good display, but I am limited in my choice of apps. Mm-hmm. So I would consider getting a, a smart TV box mm-hmm. to actually augment the capabilities of my TV because otherwise it's irresponsible for you to generate more e-waste mm-hmm. exactly. by getting rid of my existing TV. This just breeds in new life, basically. Exactly. So older, it's, it's, older hardware. Yeah, so at the end of the day, whether you have a smart TV or a TV box, as long as you have it, you're going to kind of like have a similar experience. Because at the end of the day, it's about watching content on demand. And in most cases, people will focus on YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu, HBO. So if all this is incorporated in, in a TV or in a TV box, at the end of the day, that's what people care about. But uh, having a TV box gives you a high advantage, if I would say. Well, apart from you having to sort more cables and uh, playing around with an extra remote around the living room. Yeah, that's just one more remote to lose. <laughs> like, yippee, like, I'm so happy to, to actually have another remote to, to lose. So if, uh, I think uh, this, this topic has been very, very interesting in a way that it has helped people. For instance, if you wanted to buy a smart TV, you actually have a bigger uh, uh list to look at other than just looking at the display you'd want to look at uh, things like uh, what's the ecosystem for the applications like uh what's the quality of um controls that you actually have with the tv even the settings well from the settings bit we haven't spoken about it but uh every tv is unique in its own way have you heard about the smart tv that is kick proof Oh, yeah, I saw that review from Linus Tech Tips. It's from a Chinese manufacturer. For the life of me, I cannot remember the name. Well, that kick-proof TV would properly work well in a bar. (laughs) Definitely. Bar fights. Bar fights, you know, it's just going to be very versatile and very, what can I say? It can actually withstand the wrath of its patron. (laughs) So this brings us to the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you think there's stuff we didn't talk about, just drop it in the comment. Uh, if you liked it also, drop it in a comment. Just make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share. And uh, we'll be sharing more interesting stuff in our subsequent podcasts. Otherwise, stay safe, stay home, peace out, and stay geeky.